Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry, and this week, a reflection on one of my favorite shows, which this week strapped on its shield and waved goodbye. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I'll tell you about a new show on Netflix about teenage bounty hunters. That's a lot of fun. It's called Teenage Bounty Hunters. And a reminder, we've got new movies in theaters this weekend. Welcome to level seven. I died. I died and I came back. I died again and came back. I'm still getting used to the idea of you as a techie. I'm still getting used to the idea of me as just tech. So this week I said goodbye to what's become one of my favorite shows of the last decade. This is the last mission together, isn't it? You are too late. The war is over and you've lost. Get ready! Now! This is what we were fighting for. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the series finale, next Wednesday, 9, 8 central on ABC. And that was this week. We are recording this on Thursday, August 13th, so it happened just yesterday for me. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is a show that debuted in September of 2013, and it ran for seven seasons. How far into... You s- did start watching it, right, Jeff? I did, and I only made it probably till about Christmas of that year, is what I believe. Yeah, because that, that particular season was not great, and I'll get into that in a second here, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., with its seven-season run and with its departure... That essentially brings to an end Marvel TV shows as we've come to know them for the past decade or so because Disney Plus is getting ready to launch its own batch of Marvel shows that will tie in more directly to the bigger picture Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we'll get into some of that. But first, I do want to reflect on S.H.I.E.L.D. because this is a show that I started watching with some skepticism back in 2013 because I thought, okay, like we've already got three to four Marvel movies a year. Do we now need a TV series on ABC? And indeed, that pilot episode was clunky. And the overall first season was not great. Uh, I mean, it chased you away, Jeff, by Christmas. I was kind of wondering, should I bother holding on to this? Uh, But I did, and... For a while, throughout the years, it was a bubble show. Like, will it come back? Will it not? I am glad they finished the series properly because this show has told stories that should not have been as good as they ended up being. And that's thanks to the thing that Marvel does so well, and that's establish and foster great characters. It didn't matter how silly some of the stories were. We came to know and love these characters We believed in their bond, and we believed in them, and they had great supporting cast cast members throughout the years and great villains all the way through. Uh, The first couple of seasons were basically about S.H.I.E.L.D. versus the bad guys, HYDRA. And indeed, when Captain America the Winter Soldier debuted in theaters in 2014, there was a major tie-in on the TV show that suddenly made it feel a lot more important, like it became this must-watch show but uh, after that, S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of just went its own way, uh, which I think made it better that it wasn't trying to link its events to the movies and, and make references to what was going on in the movies. It just didn't have to worry about 
tying itself down. It was allowed to breathe and grow into its own separate entity. And uh, as it went along, it, it kept getting weirder with its stories, but they worked. Like their fourth season started out much darker. They wanted to, they moved it to a later time slot. They were trying to, you know, grab some, some maybe some new ratings or new audience by having a more mature uh, feel to it. And re- they, they went for sexy right out of the gate. I'm pretty sure the very first scene of that season was a character named Daisy or Sky or Quake, if you want to go by her superhero name. And uh, she was in her underwear getting dressed. And there were, lots, there were lots of close-up shots of her stomach and stuff. And she's a very attractive woman. I'm certainly not complaining about it, but it was definitely uh, them sort of stomping their hand on the table saying, we're going to be different this year. And uh, that first half of the season was definitely darker because they brought in Ghost Rider, who is a flaming skeleton who rides a motorcycle and drags people to hell as their punishment. I think in the show he may have driven a car. I can't remember now. Uh, But it was cool. Like, did you ever see, Jeff, the Ghost Rider movies with Nicolas Cage? No, I did not. <laughs> they were they were not all that good, and yeah. that's being nice about it. Like the first one, I I like it's cheesy, but I I, I kind of dig it. And the second one was absolute garbage. And uh, then they had a one half season, or they they, could, they ended up calling them season pods, where they were in a sort of matrix like computer world that they called the framework. Another season sent them into the future, into space, no less, where Earth had been destroyed. And when I saw they were going to space, I think it was the end of the fourth season where there was this cliffhanger because the, the team disappeared. They got taken away somewhere. And then next thing we know, they're in space. I thought, okay, this is where the show officially goes off the rails. But it worked. It worked so well, uh, be- partly because they had a great bad guy, a guy named Cassius from the Blue Race of the Cree, who uh, was referenced in a couple of movies, Captain Marvel, for example. But the TV show really de- uh, sort of dove into their culture. His character wasn't all that big of a deal, but he was so delightfully portrayed by the actor that it made you want to watch more. And one of my favorite scenes of the entire series, in fact, involves him. It was just this great camera work where he thought he was closing in on S.H.I.E.L.D. and then they escaped him and did something in the meantime. And uh, they, they zoomed in on his face and the camera was shaking as he just went, No! It was so hammy, but it was so fun. And this final season uh, was super fun. It felt like a victory lap because they were bouncing through time. Uh, And the early episodes of the season would play on different film genres to the point where even the title credits were different based on whatever decade they were in. Uh, I think they went to the 50s and the 70s and the 80s. And the 80s was cool because of the fashion and the music. And they even had these robots that uh, were kind of reminiscent of Johnny Five from Short Circuit. You remember Short Circuit, Jeff? (laughs) I remember that I watched it. I don't remember anything about it except for that. I know that robot's in it. Yeah, number five, Johnny Five alive. Uh, so anyway, eventually the season got more serious in the back half as they had to, you know, save the world. I think it was only 12 episodes or 13. All the while, though, it's the characters that really held this show together. They never pushed the characters aside to go plot heavy or push them aside to do something cool with special effects. So when everything finally did come to a head in the the climax and we did get the big fight scenes and the big visual effects, it still mattered so much because you were so invested in these characters. And ultimately, I think the series finale was satisfying. Like, it's hard to stick a landing on a show like this. And it even ended with a nice callback to the very first episode, which was actually one of the, one of the, the dumbest 
parts of that first episode, but the the callback worked. And it does leave the door open to see some of these characters pop up in the movies. Like, I believe we the plan is to incorporate uh, Daisy slash Quake into the movie. She's, uh, her superhero is she, they call her Quake because she can make things shake. She can send out, like, uh, basically force beams out of her hand and blow holes through walls and, uh, you know... She can cause earthquakes. There, there you go. Uh, I do hope we see Agent Coulson come back. He, of course, appeared in all of the first few Marvel movies before dying in the Avengers, and then he shifted to the TV show uh, Agents of Shield to lead that team. But with this comes the end of Marvel TV. Agents of Shield gone from ABC. All of the Netflix shows you can still watch them: Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, The Defenders, Punisher. They're all gone. Uh, Marvel's Runaways on Hulu. I watched the first season of that. I really liked that. Uh, that's gone. Cloak and Dagger was something on a, sh- on a network called Freeform. That was canceled after two seasons. And Legion on FX, which I keep meaning to go back and watch because the first season of that was tremendous. But that's also gone. There is a one-off limited series coming to Hulu later this year called Hellstrom. Never even heard of that, but uh, that's that. So Marvel TV will now, moving forward, exist on Disney+. And they've got eight shows planned so far. So they got the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye, Ms. Marvel, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and What If. And that was a comic where they would tell these What If kind of stories. Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to debut this month, but production was not able to wrap before the pandemic. They're hoping to finish production this year, but who knows when the series will debut. WandaVision is interesting because, as you know, if you've seen Avengers Infinity War, spoiler alert, Vision died. But here he is back with the Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff. Not sure what the timeline is on this, but it looks like it could be a fun show because from what we can gather from the brief trailer they released a few months back for some of these shows, they're in some weird shifting reality, which even at one point puts them into a 1960s black and white sitcom setting. Wanda, welcome home. Vision residence. And then another complicated one, Loki, as you remember from Infinity War. Spoiler alert, Loki also died. But we did see him again in Endgame, and now we're going to see him on Disney Plus eventually. I'm going to burn this place to the ground. So I guess on one hand, it's not necessarily bad to have all the TV shows lined up to, to directly or tie more into the MCU uh, and even their other shows didn't completely ignore those events. Like the Netflix shows very loosely reference them, but very loosely. Uh, and so those those shows, even though they were tied, they were linked, they, uh, they always felt like their own thing. DC has had so many TV shows over the years, and I think to an extent some of those shows suffered because there was no consistency with a bigger picture. Uh, but it did also give them more freedom to tell whatever story they wanted. Um, I, I have since abandoned all of the DC shows just because it was getting to be too much. You know, The Flash and Arrow and Black Lightning and Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow and I don't know how many else they have now. It just got overwhelming. But um, in terms of some of these uh, these shows they've got coming to Disney+, Plus, are you going to watch them, Jeff? Oh, I'm excited for The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Loki, especially. The, the Hawkeye one, is Jeremy Renner in that? Or is it uh, some spin-off kind of thing where it's like son of Hawkeye or brother of Hawkeye? Oh, that know? it might be his daughter. Uh, yeah. Hang on, I'll just double-check that. But no, the, the Falcon and The Winter Soldier, I think I'm most excited about that just because those guys were so much fun together in, what is it, Civil War? They sort of do have their first little 
uneasy team up, and they had really funny banter in that. So I'm looking forward to that. And I love Vision too, and Wanda. So I think that'll be that should be a good one as well. So I mean, eight shows. I can't see myself watching all eight. Although again, if they only do eight or ten episodes, and they have a year or year and a half in between seasons, they might be able to get to them eventually. But if they all drop at the same night, time, we'll be screwed. But again, the the schedule is all certainly out of whack now, thanks to the pandemic. Yeah, Jeremy Renner, by the way, is going to be in the Hawkeye TV show. And I'm really excited about Moon Knight. Moon Knight is one of the more popular characters in the Marvel Universe. He's kind of like Marvel's version of Batman. He wears an all-white suit and gets his powers from the god of the moon but he is he, he does he actually have powers or is he off you know does he have mental wellness issues it's actually uh, it really gets into that kind of stuff pretty well in the comics so it'll be neat to see that translated to uh, the screen provided they can get the costume right they've been pretty good with the costumes in this stuff so disney plus hopefully maybe by the end of the year maybe early this year next year we'll start to see some of these shows roll out like the falcon and the winter soldier agents of shield by the way if you do want to catch up on it the first six seasons are available on crave and uh you can probably watch the other ones on demand through your pvr those will eventually land on crave still to come i want to learn about these teenage bounty hunters but up next we got to tell you what's new in theaters this weekend it feels nice to be able to say that details in a moment you're listening to the couch potatoes I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. It has been a long time since we've been able to say there are new movies opening this weekend. And there are new movies opening this weekend, starting with the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. Hello. Call me Sage. Good name. I'm made out of sage and I am a sage. So it works out pretty well. I'm Patrick. My name means toaster in Celtic. Pretty sure it doesn't. And that was Keanu Reeves. His face actually pops up in this bush of sage or whatever it is. Uh, it's an animated movie, but we get to see his real face. Of course Keanu Reeves is in it because he's in everything. Not sure, though, if he's in this next one. It's called Unhinged, starring Russell Crowe. Oh, man. Do you know what a courtesy tap is, young man? Sure, that's what your mom meant. No, it's not. Well, I'm sorry. If you could just apologize. I don't have anything to apologize for. That's where we are in this world today. You seem to have developed an inability to apologize to anyone for anything. You're gonna learn. It's okay. It's gonna be okay. Unhinged. And both of those movies opening internationally ahead of an American run, Unhinged, is set to open next week in the U.S., but the SpongeBob movie, uh, not sure about that. And then Inception, the 10th anniversary event. One more time for good measure, Jeff. Boom, Christopher Nolan gets his movie in the theater, finally. That's right. Not the movie... Not the one he wanted, but nevertheless. Yeah. So how many movies have you gone to see since uh, the theaters have reopened? Well, just those old classics that we're playing. I saw Jaws on a very big screen. Not, uh, not IMAX brand, but IMAX sized. And then I saw the first two installments of the Lord of the Rings series. I saw the second one last weekend. The, the Two Towers, three hours, 45 minutes. It was the extended edition. And uh, I, I did take a couple of bathroom breaks. They, they really need to put an intermission if they're going to put in those extended editions yeah oh spongebob by the way it looks like it's going to be uh released on premium video on demand and cbs all access in the u.s in early 2021 so it gets its international release but not in the states so when are you going to go see lord of the rings return of the king 
Only if they bring it back, because uh, these other movies are taking up all the screens now, because I guess to, to make money, if you're only selling a third of the tickets, you got to put it on three times as many screens. So uh, the local theater I usually go to was almost all the screens are just the SpongeBob and Unhinged and one with Inception. Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, for example, uh, there's a landmark cinemas uh, theater here in Winnipeg called Grant Park. And for today's listing, so Thursday, August 13th, we got Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, E.T., The Exorcist, Unhinged, The Burnt Orange Heresy, Trolls World Tour, Bloodshot, The Invisible Man, Jurassic Park, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, Pulp Fiction, Back to the Future, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, Friday the 13th, and Jaws. And then tomorrow, (laughs) uh, it is flipping to Inception, SpongeBob, and Unhinged. And that's it. exactly. And I wanted to go see Pulp Fiction, but I couldn't get the timing right because it was only playing... Later at night and Monday to Friday, I'm working really early, so that didn't work out for me. But So who knows? Uh, we don't really know how many new movies we can expect to come into theaters in the weeks ahead and that sort of thing, because the scheduling is all still so very tentative. So there may be a spot for some of these classics to be returned to theaters. Up next, we're going to learn about the Teenage Bounty Hunters. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and a new show dropped on Netflix this weekend that's a lot of fun. It's called Teenage Bounty Hunters. Oh, you're lucky I didn't use my gun. That's okay. We'll use ours. All right, girls. If you want to keep working with me, the assignment, bring in the fugitive. We obviously have a gift for this line of work. What if we become the best bounty hunters in Atlanta? What's stopping us? The school bell stopping them. The show centers around twin sisters, Blair and Sterling. They're not identical twins. They're rich kids in suburban Atlanta who stumble into the world of bounty hunting. They go to this private Christian school, and there is a lot of churchy stuff in the show, but it's not preachy, nor are they really making fun of Christianity. It's teenagers dealing with their lives. God wouldn't always approve of what they do. The episodes are about 45 minutes long. It's mostly a comedy, although, again, it's teenagers dealing with their lives, so there's plenty of drama. The drama includes a car crash in the first scene where the sisters smash up their dad's nice pickup truck. It's a catalyst for a couple of things. The guy they hit is a guy who's on the run. He skipped bail, and the sisters bring him down and get a taste for bounty hunting, which is good because they also find out they need the money to get that truck fixed. Also involved in this scenario is the bounty hunter who was originally chasing the felon. His name is Bowser, and he's played by Kadeem Hardison, Brett. You may remember him as Dwayne Wayne on the show A Perfect World in the early 90s. Did you watch that I, one? That was a Cosby Show spinoff. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Knew it, I knew it immediately. I saw him like, hey, it's Dwayne Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long time ago. I don't know if I would have recognized him if I didn't see his name pop up. But he's, because uh, he looks... You know, considerably older and a little bit chubbier, but he's got his comedy chops still. He takes his sisters under his wing as his protege, and in fact, he needs them because the show has a lot of satirical beats about racism and how a black bounty hunter could use some young white Christian girls to get into places he can't, like a snooty country club. So the setup so far, I've only watched the first two episodes, seems like it'll sort of be a a case of the week thing where they hunt a new bad guy down each episode, all while dealing with their high school drama, boyfriends, and family life. Uh, I will also point out, by the way, that it is pretty dirty. There is a lot of sex talk, and there
there are some sex acts. There are also a lot of curse words. So while it is about teenagers, it's definitely not meant to be watched by kids, although kids would like it. Another head-scratcher from Netflix regarding adult content and intended audiences. Overall, it's a weird mix of several different kinds of shows. It's also very light, which I found is sort of the vein of shows and movies I've been most interested in uh, than other compared to other things during this pandemic. So I think I will stick with the Teenage Bounty Hunters for a few more episodes and see how it goes. Again, it's called Teenage Bounty Hunters, and it is on Netflix, available right now. A couple of other new things on Netflix this week that are worth mentioning. Uh, there's a film out now called Project Power, starring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And the description on that one is, When a pill that gives its users unpredictable superpowers for five minutes hits the streets of New Orleans, a teenage dealer and a local cop have to team together with an ex-soldier to take down the group responsible for its creation. And then on next Wednesday, there's a couple of shows. There's a reality show, a show called DeMarcus Family Rules, and that stars Jay DeMarcus of Rascal Flats fame, that's a country band, and his beauty queen wife, Allison. They are a Nashville power couple living large, but things aren't always so successful at home, according to Netflix, so it's uh, their version of the Osbournes, I guess. And then there's a documentary series called High Score, which uh, takes a look at the rise of the golden era in gaming. I'm so, kind of curious to take a look at that one, too, but I definitely recommend checking out Teenage Bounty Hunters. Uh, give it a shot, at least the first episode, see if it's up your alley. I thought it was a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, thank you for the reminder, by the way, on Project Power. I think we discussed that, yeah. I don't know, a month ago, and I just sort of fell off my radar, likely because there are those new movies opening in theaters this weekend, so I've been th thinking more about that. Um, and I'm just, How many episodes is this Teenage Bounty Hunters? Uh, eight or ten. Okay. I, I don't know that I scrolled all the way to the end of the list, but yeah, it's it's just a regular Netflix series kind of thing. Well, it looks like ten episodes, uh, ranging from... 45 minutes to 60, yeah. 42 minutes to 58 minutes. Uh, so that looks fun. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. Yeah, Netflix, I just, I can't believe how much content they continue to pop out. And like this high score documentary, they, they have so many great documentaries on Netflix. I've heard lots of people talk about the video game docs that they have. And I don't know why I don't watch more of them because I used to love playing video games as a kid. So it would be neat but to go back and watch some of that. Now, for me, some people are into it, but uh, for me, the most painful thing as a kid, while I enjoyed playing video games, there's nothing I hated more than watching someone else play video games. I can't stand that uh, at all. Even if it's like three guys and it's a two-player game, then you're taking turns. When it's not my turn, I'm just not interested in watching the other guys at all. That also reminds me, I, I'm just looking at Netflix here. I need to... Uh... I forgot to watch Disney's uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. But yeah, watching watching video games, I think it depends on who's doing it. Sometimes I like to do it if I'm watching a YouTube video, like a, if I want to oh. learn how to do something. Yeah, yeah. Or if how I just want to see guy, how yeah. games are. Like, I, don't, I haven't played a new video game in over a decade. So if you were to drop me in front of a <laughs> PS4 or whatever, whatever they, I don't even know what they call it, Xbox One, I wouldn't be able to do anything. So it's neat to see what... The games are like now and what people are capable of doing and i know that that competitive gaming like esports is a huge business like these yeah. people who play esports they fill at least well they filled prior to the pandemic they would fill arenas like people would pay money to go sit in an arena and watch these teams play 
Uh, it's big business, and I'm not mocking it. Like if, if that, it's exciting. It's exciting stuff to see what they're capable of doing with these games, because some of the stuff that uh, real gamers can do, uh, the average gamer would never ever even be able to to imagine it. Never mind pull it off. Yeah. Oh no. There's it's no. There's no way at all. I mean, I remember ten years ago when I got my first big screen TV, a 50 inch TV. Uh, one of the first things I did was I dug my like PlayStation out of the storage room and plugged it in just to see what it would be like to play on there. And I put my Spider-Man game in there, and within five minutes I was like, I had like motion sickness, and I was just like, Ugh. I unplugged it and I gave the PlayStation away the next day. And <laughs> now since then, uh, I, I will play like an NHL hockey game with my girlfriend's kids, and even that I lose interest in pretty quickly because they beat me so fast and so badly in that. That it's just not fun. I don't think it's fun for them anymore either. So yeah, and just looking at some of these other, like I just all I did was type in toys uh, to Netflix because there was a. I seem to remember there being a documentary that came out last year, the toys that made us, and they have an episode. Oh, they've got a few seasons. Pardon me, they've got uh, three seasons. So season three, for example, they've got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, My Little Pony and professional wrestling uh season two star trek transformers lego and hello kitty and then season one uh star wars barbie he-man and gi joe so those are all i played with a lot of that stuff yeah and then they've got uh, one called the movies that made us i watched that yeah i've seen that i've seen i watched the die hard one and is there ghostbusters one on there yeah ghostbusters home alone and dirty dancing yeah, watch the Ghostbusters one too. Okay, yeah. So it looks like it's I've got cool. some documentaries I need to watch. That's the, again, there is just too much content out there, <laughs> scripted or unscripted. Uh, and usually what ends up happening is I'll just go on YouTube and watch random videos about golf or, you know, the screen junkies, honest trailers and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So um, in a moment, Jeff Braun apparently has a death wish. We'll explain what that means next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I noticed a movie on the Netflix Top 10 this week that I was not expecting, the Bruce Willis remake of Death Witch. In the U.S., one in four families are victims of a violent crime. Dad, where's Mom? Most go unsolved. So there's nothing that I can do? Is that what you're saying? I can have faith. The men who did it are out there. I'm gonna hunt them down one by one. Why is he taking the law into his own hands? You're not going to kill me. No. Jackass. <laughs> Death Wish in theaters March 2nd. That was March 2nd, 2018 when it came out in theaters to little to no fanfare. The Rotten Tomato score is 18% and not a lot of fans either. There were only $34 million in North American box office and less than $50 million globally. But when it's free on Netflix, why not? And honestly, it wasn't as bad as I feared it would be, although it really did feel like a missed opportunity. In the movie, Bruce Willis plays a surgeon. I believe Charles Bronson was an architect in the original version from the 70s. Uh, he has a wife, Elizabeth Shue, and a teenage daughter, and they're a big happy family like 
suspiciously happy. It's really weird, but of course the point of it is to show how far he falls after his family is brutally attacked. He loses faith in the ability of the police to solve the crime. It's set in Chicago, by the way, and a lot is made about the violence that city has seen in recent years. And so Bruce Willis becomes a vigilante, killing bad guys that he just happens upon, while also trying to track the people that attacked his family. He also has a cheapskate ex-con brother, played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who looks suspicious in every frame of the movie. A lot of stuff you expect will pay off simply does not, except there is one thing that, when it was presented near the beginning, I thought, oh, if that doesn't come back at the end, they really screwed up, and it does come back at the end. It was really cool. Um, Bruce looks largely disinterested the whole way, though. Some of it works for his quiet, meek kind of character that he begins as, but for a man who ends up at the end of his rope and turns into a vigilante, he's really quiet about it, and I'm sad to say it feels like he's just phoned it in. I also thought the movie would be more violent than it is. Don't get me wrong, a lot of people do get shot, but it's all relatively tame. Uh, not all, though. There are two pretty gross incidents, but Eli Ross, the director, so I was expecting a lot more gross incidents. It's mostly just shooting, and it's not terribly bloody. It's a watchable movie, Brett, but it's nothing to write home about. Two and a half couch cushions out of five for that Death, with, Death Wish remake on Netflix. But the big takeaway for me was, what has happened to Bruce Willis's career? Because this is the biggest movie he's had in quite some time, and it wasn't that big of a movie. Now, he is 65 years old, so maybe a Death Wish remake by Eli Roth looked like a good idea on paper, but his IMDb tells a pretty sad story. I mean, Hollywood is notoriously mean to older actors. It's worse with women, who will struggle to get leading roles after age 35, but it's still hard to fathom what's happened to Bruce Willis. Here are the movie titles. These are the titles, Brett, from the last five years of his career where he was either the lead or had a strong supporting role, the movies. Survive the Night, Trauma Center, Ten Minutes Gone, Motherless Brooklyn, Glass, Airstrike, Reprisal, Death Wish, Acts of Violence, First Kill, Once Upon a Time in Venice, Split, Marauders, Precious Cargo, Extraction, Rock the Casbah, and Vice, but not that Vice. That's 17 movies in five years four of which had theatrical releases, and of those four, only Death Wish saw him actually playing the main lead character. 2013, I had to go back to, it was the last year he had uh, some quasi-hits with A Good Day to Die Hard, which is not very good at all, G.I. Joe Retaliation, which is not very good at all, and Red 2, I have no idea if that's good. No. His last... No, it's not? <laughs> no, I don't remember enjoying that one. His last awesome movie was Looper back in 2012, and that's the one where uh, he and Joseph Gordon-Levitt play the same character in a fun time travel adventure directed by Ryan Johnson. Now, the even bigger revelation for me, anyways, was as I kept scrolling back, I was struck by just how many stinkers Bruce Willis has had over the years, even back into his heyday in the 90s. Uh, there's just way more bad than good over his whole career, and that surprised me because I've always thought of him as one of my favorite actors. Now, the thing is, his really good movies are really good. His Mount Rushmore probably is what? Die Hard, Pulp Fiction, The Sixth Sense, and Armageddon. Any actor would die for that resume. All huge hits, two of them Best Picture nominees, and Die Hard alone, you know, would be enough to cement him to be remembered for years to come. But he's just done so many bad movies along the way. He did The Fifth Element in 1977. Big hit. People love it. And the next year he did Armageddon. But 
He also did The Jackal, Mercury Rising, and a movie called The Siege in those years. I never even heard of The Siege before. So while he's had a share of impressive homers, his batting average is still pretty low. He's done about 90 movies. You've only heard about half of them, I would wager. And of the ones you have heard of, only half are worth watching. Uh, I imagine earlier on he did those uh, subpar movies for the money. That's fine, honestly, because we'd probably all do that if we had the opportunity. Uh, there's a thing in Hollywood called The Nut. And each actor has to make their nut each year. They, it's their word. And the nut is the amount of money they need to bring in to maintain the lifestyle to which they've grown accustomed. And sadly, a lot of them make dis all their, uh, you know, work decisions based on the nut. And the other thing with Bruce Willis, of course, is the divorce. He and Demi Moore split in 2000, and she got $90 million. And even with all the garbage movies he did in the 90s, it gets much worse very quickly after that divorce. Regardless, I'd love to see him get some good roles again. He used to take small, uncredited roles in movies all the time. He's great in the Paul Newman movie, Nobody's Fool, from the 90s, for instance. Uh, he should get back to that sort of thing as he uh, ages. It'd probably be easier to get roles like that. And hopefully someone will, you know, give him something great yet before he retires. Because when he's in a good movie, it's usually a really good movie to watch. So for now, Death Wish is on Netflix if you like, but you'd probably be better off rewatching Die Hard. Well, the reason he's probably not getting the roles is the, the consistent thing we've heard about Bruce Willis for over a decade is that he just keeps phoning it in. Like, he doesn't look like he yeah. wants to be there at all. So he's kind of done it to himself. Yeah, you're right about that. I've also heard, uh, I think, Kevin Smith has very little good things to say about him. I think he's a difficult actor uh, to a lot of people so uh, who knows what this combination of things is but I mean the golden opportunity you have to be a Hollywood star and really like leave your mark and just when it just gets mired in just trash after trash after trash it's sad you, we've seen it happen you know with Nicolas Cage or whatever and even the last 20 of Robert De Niro's career hasn't been great but uh, I don't know. It seems like it would just be avoidable, and you could they could still make money by making good movies. Hey, here's something. We, we, we almost have no time left, but I just got to quickly mention this. Tonight, I'm going to see Back to the Future on the big screen for the very first time with someone who has never seen it. Oh, so, never seen it. Yeah, so I'm curious uh, to know what she thinks, if she's going to, if, if it's going to hold up for her, um, or if she's just going to think it's too corny and cheese ball. So, so yeah, she's never seen it. Next week, hopefully, I will have a report for you. That's all the time we've got. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you are listening to this on the radio. And, of course, if you're listening to this on podcast, you can find it on your local radio station. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.